0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is Episode 78 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, American Harvest, and Wintech Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program.
2: Today, we're chatting with Terry Berwinger, who's a former exercise rider turned sport horse breeder, and she offers her perspective on the race life to the sport side of things for horses. We feature our third Making the Makeover rider, Katrina Natwick, and we're going to introduce new vocations a little differently today, so stay tuned to meet our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Kyle Rolfus is our Listener of the Week. If you'd like to be our Listener of the Week, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Now back to the show.
1: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the Retired Racehorse. This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio.
2: Kristen, how are you enjoying our second snow? (laughs) Ugh, that was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Who knows by now? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah. My husband has a great aunt who tells me that, oh, snow needs to fall on the daffodils three times and then it's officially spring. And I've lost count now. I think we're up to three. So that should be it. Hopefully it's the end of it. I, you know, I always <laughs> no. look at it back to my track and field days way
2: back when, and I always remember the last track meet was around the first week of May and it snowed every single time. Every year for six years as I did this. I competed in college too. And I'm like, it's just a constant. It's my life now. I've accepted it. So once we get to mid-May, I know spring has officially started. And then we have summer in like four weeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll be complaining about how hot it is. And you and I are both like on the northern track. So I think you and I get probably the worst of it but
2: yeah we get the nice humidity the super giant fuzzy okay i shouldn't complain about that the south (laughs) you you really win for the (laughs) mosquito size and i'm so sorry y'all i am so sorry you're going through that i will stop complaining but yeah the fly season's definitely coming but I feel good about it. Like, I'm excited to get back on my horse. I did get injured this last week. Shocker. It's been this episode every time that Joy gets injured. It's the new new show we're doing.
1: Um, It'll be a recurring segment, Joy's Injury of the Week. How
2: did Joy get injured this episode? So, recovering from a back injury, but super excited to start working with my horse again and hopefully get her into a couple shows, ideally at the end of May,
1: but You know, if we have to start in June, that's what we do. How about you? That's, I'm about on track for the same. Our first show on the calendar is like mid to end of May. And this year it's going to be the standard bread. So uh, hang on for that ride.
2: (laughs) Okay. So we're going to have a thoroughbred and a standard bread to watch this year. That's going to be really fun. I know I was debating, I have a big goal of trying to get Astrid by the end of the year to do at least one pre-Caprilli competition, and I don't know if you're familiar with what that is. Nope, but, but it, it sounds
1: really, really cool.
2: It sounds, sounds like pasta. Much cooler it pasta? than it probably is. I wish. That sounds delicious. Um <laughs> So it's a dressage test that has jumps in it. My horse is very attracted to poles and jumps and ways like as she sees someone putting the course up, she follows them to memorize said course and then beelines for every pole, even if we're not even a part of that exercise for the day. Uh, So I found this is a way where we both can maybe have something we want. She has plates in her front legs. So I don't really think a jumping career is the long-term route for her, but the jumps are low enough in this where she can do something that really interests her and perks her curiosity while I still get to do dressage, something I love very near and dear to my heart. And uh, hopefully we'll both have some fun with it. But we can hopefully get one competition in just to try it out. It probably won't be till fall, but that's my big goal for the year.
1: Oh, that sounds awesome. It sounds like a great goal and like a yeah. nice like meet each other in the middle.
2: Yeah, I love that there's really something for everyone in the horse world. It's it's pretty cool that there's so much versatility and so much creativity so that every horse can do something they like to do. Nice. Well,
1: good luck. Yeah. Keep us posted.
2: Same for you. So you're taking your standard bread. What will you be doing with him?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Some of it's going to depend on how the rest of April goes. So I've barely ridden this month, and I'm sure you're probably in the same boat. Uh, Not having a ring and no indoor has made this month super challenging. And I kind of saw that coming. I was like, I think April's going to be way tougher than March. Like, I can ride in the snow, but once it thaws and it's muddy, it's way, way harder because I don't want to tear up, you know, my grazing ground by riding it's hard on their legs, you know. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't need to have you slopping through the mud to satisfy my own vanity so we can go horse show. So if I can get him loping consistently, we'll try more of the classes that would involve loping. But otherwise, I'm just going to pick and choose my classes very carefully. We can still work a cow walking, trotting, and then, you know, racking or pacing or whatever else he sort of throws in there. Because he's not super consistent yet with the trot all the time. So we'll do a little bit of very basic cow work. I'd like to at least get him into the trail schooling. And I might, you know, just eat some entry money and walk and trot our way through the classes that would normally have loping in them just to get him in the ring because ultimately my goal with him is to go to the standard bread national show at the end of july but i don't oh, want that awesome. to be his first show so i want to make sure that he goes to a couple of overnight shows first and this ranch series we go to is super friendly really green horse friendly very tolerant of non-stock breeds for a ranch series And that was where, you know, Jopper and I won two buckles last year in the open. So I think at this point now they're like super friendly to non-stock breeds since we came in as the the thoroughbred invader from the north and won all their uh, prizes and buckles. So that was really cool. Definitely will not be starting out with quite the same level of athletic and trained animal. As I have when jobber. So it's just going to be, you know, go have a fun year, get our feet wet, hang out. It's a really, really nice group of folks to camp with all weekend. So we we were just looking forward to having a good time and taking some of the pressure off because I spent a lot of time last year chasing points. So in some ways with the standard bread with little Wes, it's going to be a little easier um, because we're just going to go to have fun and hopefully build on him.
2: I don't know if easier is the right word, but definitely less going. pressure. No. Yeah, so we'll both be yeah, taking, yeah, it's taking not some be new challenges. For
1: sure.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll both have some new challenges with our horses this year, but it should be really fun. And I hope everyone's excited to follow. It. I'm definitely excited to follow what you do with him, and I'm excited I'm nice to see person. where Aster goes. So, but we should definitely talk about how we like to prep for shows in a future episode. But one of the things I like to use for prep is proper nutrition. And a great group to look at that for is our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products.
3: She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
2: Kristen, I'm super excited to introduce our next guest, Harry Berwinger. I met her through a mutual friend and... From the first call I had with her, I'm like, immediately, we need to get her on the show. She's amazing. She's got so much experience from the racetrack and into the sport horse world. She's galloped race horses for Nick Zito and Wayne Lucas. She's bred sport horses in Ireland. She even worked with a starting and rehab program in Ireland, too. And she's worked for Hilltop Farm. If anyone knows Hilltop Farm, they're like chef's kiss in the sport horse world. So, Terry, well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on the show. I'm really excited to be here. We are too. I mean, I don't even know where to begin because you are a wealth of knowledge. We could easily dedicate a full episode to you, but I'll start with the simplest of questions. I'd love to know just the brief, how you got involved with horses.
0: It started when I was a child. So we're talking like three, four, I think you start with pony rides. And then a neighbor had horses and she... Just started to take me with her when she went to the farm, and she gave me lessons. So that's where it all started, Mrs. Bottworf, actually. So, and I'm still friends with her daughter Jane to this day. So, yeah, that's where it all started.
2: I love it. Starting young, I feel like we all get the bug when we're little kids for sure, and it it tends to stick with us and becomes a very expensive habit that we all it, adopt. It does exactly, absolutely. <laughs> So from that, you started with Pony Club. When did it transition into thoroughbreds? Because I'm like, how do we go from Pony Club to galloping resources?
0: Okay. Well, to be honest, we were not like a lot of families. We just didn't really have the money to do. Like, I wanted to show the 8th Circuit. I mean, that's what you want to do when you're a child and you show hunters and and that kind of stuff. And that's what you want to be. And very few people can be. And that's okay. So. When I was 16, I did um, a summer at Pimlico as a hot walker. So that's how like kind of, and I like sent in a resume and everything and it was hilarious. I worked for Greg Wilson and he took me under his wing and he didn't let anybody like talk to me. He was just like, just mind your P's and Q's, come in, do your work and you go home basically. And yeah, from there, it just kind of went on. I was a hot walker. I was, And then I wanted to learn how to gallop and I was at Finger Lakes, actually, as a groom. And Wayne Lucas had a runner there. And Randy Bradshaw was the assistant at the time. And to make extra money, I went over to the barn and I asked if I could walk the horse after the race. They said, sure. And then he told me to come on to Kentucky. And if you want to learn how to gallop after the, I think it was it was the Breeders' Cup was that year at Churchill Down. So it would have been 88. And he said, after that, we'll take you to the farm in San Diego and you can learn to gallop. And that's how it started.
2: Did you find the transition from everything you learned from Pony Club and riding, trying to go to A Circuits, to galloping a a big transition? Like, what did you find was the Mm. hardest change? Well,
0: to be fair, it felt like you were just ludicrously fast. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, like, I can remember, like, you're always going to probably get run off with. And that's why you, you go to a farm. So I can remember the first time it happened and everything seemed so loud and, and it wasn't really that fast in retrospect. But yeah, so that was kind of difficult. But then you learn leverage and then it really is, it becomes really easy. Like an eventing course to me mm-hmm. is a heck of a lot more difficult than galloping a tough resource. It just is. So
2: yeah. That's definitely an interesting perspective that I would not put in my head. But then again, like that's the sport horse side. That's what I've grown up in. To me, like, well, venting scares the the living snot out of me. I'm a dressage rider. I stick to that one phase. But Well, I thought I was really tough till I went to Ireland and they're like, oh, we're just going to school a little cross
0: country course. And I nearly peed my pants and they're like, the kids do this one. This is the kids'
1: course. And oh I'm like, okay, Ireland's a different animal. Oh, <laughs> they're nuts over there. Yeah, yeah I remember it schooling is. cross country in Ireland, and I was like, "Hi, I ride Western," and they're like, "Great!" And they, it was definitely like at least three. Like we were dropping into water. I was like, "What am I oh, doing?" Yeah. And they're like, "Good job. Yes, keep on, carry on." See, How did yeah, you end up keep in on Ireland? Going. <laughs> what brought you yeah. over to Ireland in the first place? Marriage. Oh, will do
2: it. Right. That'll do it. That's That'll do it. Yes.
1: That'll do it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And to be fair, he's a really great guy. We just, we did end up getting divorced, but we are, we're still friends. And yeah, we were just wrong for each other. So, but he's a person that I did a lot of my sport horse stuff with over there. He would start all the horses by doing the groundwork. And I was the one that got on them. And the groundwork that he did made them very easy to ride. So,
1: have to give him props. Yeah. Well, good team, good team, it yeah. lasted I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you were
2: doing sport horses over there and on the show, we constantly are talking about the second careers of these retired race horses. So it's kind of interesting to have you on the show as the human side of that. It's like you kind of yeah. did that same second career going from the track into the sport horse side. When you made that switch, how do you feel your experiences galloping affected how you work with the horses as they transitioned into sport horses? Well,
0: the race horses have seen everything. So they're very easy to in in my opinion. Now, like I don't worry about them when I'm going past cars or you're going past anything kind of scary because they have seen it. So my biggest thing is go on or start as you mean to go on. So, if you want to ride past scary things, then you have to ride with confidence. And these racehorses are, you know, they kind of feel like if you're a little bit apprehensive, they're going to be like, I wonder what's going on. So, if you're just, if you stay quiet with them, they, they're really good. So, I mean, especially the ones in Ireland, like those horses have seen everything. Like, if you watch the races on TV, a lot of the jump races, they're going by cattle. So, there's sheep in the infield. Like, you don't have to worry about too many things especially with the ones in Ireland. But the ones in America, they've seen cars, they've you know, busy. Yeah, there's not much you have to worry about.
2: I would say that is not an opinion we hear often. I mean, obviously, talking to other thoroughbred lovers, standard bread lovers, they're going to have a similar to what you're saying. But people who are just getting into or considering adopting, they get the stereotypes of they're super hot, they're super reactive, they're spooky constantly.
1: Yeah, they're sheltered. Yeah, they never see anything. Yes. Having a very
2: controlled environment.
0: And a lot of times people are like, oh, you have to feed them a lot. And I didn't find that as long as they had like a lot of forage. They have a lot of forage, good quality hay if they're being turned out. And turnout really is important. I think the ones in Europe are used to more turnout than would say American horses, but they, they do get used to it in time. So, if you have turnout, good forage, they don't need a lot of food. And that can be a mistake too, as well as getting them too fit for the job. If you need yes. to go over a two foot course at the weekend, they don't need to be ridden an hour six days a week. They just don't. So,
1: that's the other thing too. Don't get them too fit. Yeah, I've made that mistake in the past for sure. Yeah, Yeah. I was
2: gonna say, like, that's a huge stereotype we hear of like thoroughbreds need to be ridden every day or otherwise they're maniacs. And I'm like, my horse is ridden maybe twice a week and as a a giant cinnamon roll who gets meat sweats when she sees the saddle, she's like, oh gosh, cardio. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But see, in my breeding, I used a thoroughbred mare. She was my foundation mare, but she was bred, she's what you call a national hunt thoroughbred. So she's bred for steeplechase. Most people wouldn't even know the breeding because she's by Brokenhearted out of a Carling for castle mare. So that's very old national hunt breeding. And there's a lot of stamina there. Like the one warm blood mare that I had, Abba, or her registered name was breathtaking. like she never drew a deep breath. And when she was in training, I kept saying to her trainer, don't ride her, you know, like every day for an hour because... You're going to end up with a horse that's just too fit, and he just didn't believe me. But finally, one day, he was like, "I finally get it." And like, you don't have to ride him like like a cold blood, like kind of more Irish draft or a horse with little blood. They take a lot of riding to stay fit. With the thoroughbred in there, you don't have to do that. So, that's the other thing.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that actually, because I have an Irish draft sport horse at my farm yeah. right now. And he is the spookiest booger. And <laughs> he, I mean, he's like the size, well, he's, yeah, he's the shape and color of a marshmallow. And I'm a little worried if I get him super fit, he's going to stay that same level of spooky, but then we'll be fit enough to actually like run off with me. So, but the thoroughbreds aren't like that. They might get a little hot if they're fresh, but then after that, they're like, this is all, this is normal, whatever. And yeah, good old Gandalf, he'll see something and is like, Ooh! oh, my goodness, what is that? And well, then you got to talk them <laughs> off the ledge a bit. So. Yeah, it's okay. Um, you're going to be fine. Yeah, the thoroughbreds, they just aren't. Yeah. So now and you mentioned you brought thoroughbred blood into your breeding program. What else were you crossing in for the sport horses?
0: Well, I used KWPN stallions to start. So that was the start of it for me. And because it was in Ireland, then those foals would have main main book foal papers. So they were registered kwpn name full book so that was appealing to me where because sometimes with the irish sport horse or the irish horse board they wouldn't approve the stallions i was using till later on so i was getting a full book from the kwpn where i was going to get into a lower book with the irish sport horse. and also at the time the irish horse board used to annoy me because you couldn't name your horses until they were four and with all the other registries, I could name them when they were foals, which I very much wanted to do. So, but the horse board has changed all that now; it's completely different. So, when you have a filly and she gets a main mare book for the KWPN or main foal book, that's more, you know, valuable than a lower book in the Irish Sport Horse. Of course, now they've done away with all that, and everything is is Erkend now over there. So she can be, or she's not around anymore, but she could have gone to any registry except for like Holstein or any of the closed registries and had fulls. So yeah, that's why I kind of did it that way. Then my third or second generation, the, all the babies ended up in the States, which is surprising because it was a thoroughbred dam line. And everyone told me, you'll never sell anything out of a thoroughbred dam line to America where we have all thoroughbred dam lines. But I did. And my last one was a Connemara KWPN uh, thoroughbred. And he's still in Ireland and he's four this year. So I have to make some decisions on what he's going to do. But
1: yeah. I love it. The so, breeding chat is so fascinating to me because we've looked into this a little bit through the Retired Resource Project. Like how people are bringing that thoroughbred blood
2: mm-hmm. in to refine or... I love it on or to add mm-hmm. endurance or athleticism, like to get a result that's I think if anything, it just really adds value to thoroughbreds coming off the track of how they can have that career in breeding.
1: Yeah, it's oh, a totally yeah. different I career at, step. Right.
0: Yeah. I look at the mares all the time, like just on canter and that kind of stuff, just always looking for one. Not that I'd be starting breeding anytime soon, but I hope to do it again. But yeah, I like
2: the I like the thoroughbred on the dam side. I think it brings more. Why do you have a preference on the dam side than the sire?
0: I just think it brings more heart. I think it mm-hmm. brings more of the good qualities of the mare. I mean, yeah, not every mare is going to bring exactly what you want. I was very lucky with Stella, who was my foundation mare, that she bred the same type over and over, which made it very easy to pick a stallion for her. So she really stamped herself. And it's great when stallion stamps themselves, but that doesn't help me as a breeder with my mare. Like I, I, I don't want to use the same stallion every time. So I'd rather have a stamping mare than a stamping. You know, go use a stamping. That makes sense.
2: That's very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a mare person, so I'm just like, woo, girl power! I love this. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's very interesting to hear. And I mean, you hear it constantly, even out of people who prefer geldings a good mare is gold like you you, you can't just can't you can't beat it it's they are just the top of the line if you get that solid mare yeah. my dad was in breeding as well and always taught me that is like a good mare is like that is your treasure that is your gem of the barn yeah
0: yeah stella she's still in ireland she is 23 this year oh. she's living her best life she she raised caleb who was the last one he's the connemara cross and So that's grandma. But when I had to put his mother down, she raised him from there because he was only five and a half weeks old. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was moving, and it was just a lot that year. But at any rate, like it was great because she raised him, and she put up with no nonsense. So (laughs) a lot of time with orphans, you can get one that's just a little spoiled, and I just couldn't let that happen. So, But that wasn't a problem because grandma, she had some rules. And yeah, so he grew up pretty normal. So yeah.
2: Amazing. Well, Terry, it has been. I would love to have you back because I think it would be great to yeah. kind of talk about your perspective of U.S. racing standards versus what was in Ireland and the trends you saw in rehab. I'd love to just bring you back on to discuss that, but we are out of time. Sure. Before I let you go, I would love to know: Is there a horse that you got to gallop that really made an impression, and you like? Who was your favorite racehorse you got to exercise
0: on? The I track? would have to say probably Mister Greeley. I just loved him. He was just so much fun. Yeah.
1: I love it. i oh, would just couple. casually throw that out. Oh, just Mr. Greeley. It's just <laughs> Mr. Greeley. <laughs> I love Mr. Greeley.
0: He was just so, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I mean, there was so many, but yeah. And another horse, Indian Warrior, which nobody will ever heard of because he just wasn't much. But in the end, he was one of my favorite horses. So,
2: yeah. I love it. You got to ride a celebrity. That's great. The dream for most of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'd love to come back. So yeah. Absolutely. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. And we will definitely have you back on the show. If anyone has any questions that they might have for you, what's the best way they can reach out to you?
0: Well, I'm on Facebook and yeah, I think I'm Terry Elizabeth and Mr. Greeley is my profile picture. So <laughs> yeah. So they want to message me Greeley. on
2: Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. We will be sure to include that in the show notes if anyone has any questions for Terry. Thank you again. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you. Have a
1: good night, guys. You too. Spring is here and it's time to get organized. Cashel Company has everything you need to get your barn, tack room, and trailer spick and span before show season begins. From stall organizers, gear bags, hooks, brushes, and everything in between, Cashel Company's got your back for your pre-show organizing needs. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or cashelcompany.com. All right, Joy. So we are back with the Making the Makeover segment. And I'm super excited to introduce our third trainer in the Making the Makeover series. Today, we have Katrina Nat. Wick with us. She's a horse trainer and instructor competing for the first time in the 2022 Thoroughbred Makeover. She runs her own training business, which is called Whole Horse Performance. She strives to bring harmony and confidence to horses and riders through intention-based training. And she wears a lot of different hats in that business. So I'm really excited to talk to her and uh, see what's coming up this year with her makeover horse. So Katrina, welcome. Hi, (laughs) thank you for having me. I took a sneak peek at your makeover application and you have experience in like a thousand different disciplines. So tell us a little bit about your horsey background. Like how did you get started and what brought you to where you are now?
4: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I so I grew up in Montana and in Montana, there's like a lot of horse different types of horse disciplines there's not a lot of English stuff but there's a lot of Western there's a lot of trail riding and so I grew up pretty much like most crazy horse girls do like bareback on my horse like up and down hills and hanging out with my horses and like my best friends doing night rides and things like that so I really grew up like just as that crazy horse girl I was really fortunate to be introduced to a barn That did a lot of natural horsemanship and relationship based training from the beginning. And so, like, I was, I never had the like competition mindset right away, which I'm a very competitive person by nature. (laughs) So, that was a little bit uh, of an interesting dynamic. But yeah, I grew up in Montana riding my horse in the mountains, pretty much doing a lot of natural horsemanship foundation based training. And then I got involved in Pony Club in my early teens. And then that kind of, brought
2: me to where i am now today If that makes sense so amazing i got to say i'm very envious of like i have this very heartland visual of like you riding your horse through the mountains (laughs) it's very beautiful and majestic and i'm like meanwhile i'm in michigan snow up to my knees like just trying to get my horse to like go faster than a trot (laughs) we do have snow up to our knees in montana i guess that's true that's true (laughs) But it's, yeah. it's such a picturesque version of the horse girl story. I think most of us can relate to that. Most of us aren't growing up in the A circuit barns and kind of having that mm-hmm. early competition start. We start with the fun things and then we learn about exactly. competition later on. And I think yeah. then <laughs> it, breaks, it breaks us. <laughs> and then it breaks our souls. Slowly. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting that you started in a natural horsemanship barn. That's not very common. I feel like natural horsemanship is finally getting the... Press it deserves these days of thinking more about horse psychology and coming at things in a more, I don't want to, I don't love the word holistic, but I'm going to use it for the sense, more holistic yeah. manner. Tell us about, you know, the person who who kind of taught you about that. And you mentioned that it was, you're very competitive. It was a bit of a transition. Was it just a slower pace or what made it a transition for you and maybe changed how you looked at horses?
4: I honestly think because I never thought any other way. Like I was never introduced to horses. Like I I loved horses growing up, but I actually didn't have my first horse until I was 12. My only experience with horses was natural horsemanship and was reading horses and their body language and what they were telling me and having it being a, a communication line and like a conversation. And so I never thought of it any different way. Like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people who are in the competitive world also do the same thing, but it was, to me, it was on a I think a different level. Like I went so much mm-hmm. slower with my horses. I also competed in dog agility when I was younger, and like I never. It was different with the dog agility than it was with the horses. Like to me, the horses were so much more important with how slow I took it than with the dogs. I was like, oh, like they've got it, you know. <laughs> Just go for it and see how it works out. So I was really so that my first horse actually that was probably the the biggest like what's the word for it like influence on mm-hmm. like my education because her owner had her since she was a baby um because she was a foal and so for the first six months of me owning her owner was right there with me at the same barn and so she was able to transfer all of that education over of everything she had done with her through natural horsemanship and through psychology-based training and that's like what I grew up on I don't know if that makes
2: sense but no um, absolutely makes sense and a yeah. very rare experience, I think most of us would love to like have that background of the horses we get. It's a lot of times it's that blank slate, you're not really sure what they've been through and you kind of have to figure out the pieces as you go. Mm-hmm. I have to ask, and we'll get into how you were drawn to the thoroughbred makeover, but I'm yeah. curious, as you're mentioning, you're, you take a slower approach, do you feel any type of pressure with kind of this nine-month window to bring a horse along that you don't have that background story on?
4: Um, actually not that much. So I was, I was just talking about this with my best friend, like probably a couple hours ago. Like I I actually haven't gotten on my makeover horse. I've had her since last July and she had some medical issues and stuff. And so she would turn out in the pasture. But since the December 1st, I have only done entirely groundwork with her. So we've done Liberty stuff and tricks and a lot of groundwork building to riding, but I haven't gotten on her. And I, like I was telling my friend, I think it's kind of weird in some senses, but I don't feel pressured to get on her. I, like it's like, there's some pressure, but not, I'm, I'm able to, sorry, i was trying to word this. I don't feel like I need to necessarily get on her right now. Cause it's like, I'm going to do at the makeover what she's ready for. And like, she's done all this amazing stuff on the ground. So like, maybe I don't get on her the makeover and I just do the freestyle. So I don't feel a ton of pressure with that. So...
1: I love this, like, very zen approach you have to this, or so it seems that you're taking it at the horse's pace and, like, what will happen in October will happen. That is, like, such a good, mature, like, you know, what we always say, stay in your lane approach to the makeover. So, well done. You've already Mm -hmm. won, basically, at this point. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so what drew you to the Thoroughbred Makeover and Thoroughbreds in general? Is this your first, this is your first time at the Makeover for sure. Is this your first Thoroughbred, too? Yeah, so this is actually the first thoroughbred
4: I've owned. I've worked with many over the years, and I've always loved them and thought they were super cool. But I just never had the opportunity, being in Montana, to like actually get a horse off the track because it's they're few and far between wow. out there. So when I moved to Texas, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm kind of close to all these racetracks within 10 hours. And so it might be the opportunity, but yeah. So as far as the retired racehorse project and the makeover goes in general, like I always loved watching it. I grew up watching like Amy Bowers and Lindsay Partridge and all of what they do with horses, and I, like absolutely love it. And I always kind of had it in the back of my mind as it's something that I would be interested in doing, but it was never, it was never something like it was right on the front door that I'm like, okay, I can totally do this right now. So, but I was actually. The moment... I can remember the moment that I decided to do the 2022 makeover. And that was... I was sitting in my friend's living room. And we were watching Fallon Taylor's YouTube channel. This was like an evening. I'm also a photographer. So I was actually in Idaho photographing a USDF horse show. And I was staying with her. And we were just kind of winding down over the night. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that looks like so much fun. And like I should do that. And then I turned to her and was like, I'm going to do that. And that was kind of when I had decided to do the makeover and but yeah
1: so i love that and like fallon did us such a service by participating because I mean, she has such a mm-hmm. following you know and i think a lot of yeah. people it, it put the makeover on the map for a lot of folks so mm-hmm. That's especially so cool. in the western disciplines yes mm-hmm, yeah for sure so, so definitely freestyle is on your list yeah. what else <laughs> i mean you're gonna let the horse kind of dictate what else yes. is coming down the pike but tell us about the horse what is she like i see her name is larissa which i think is super
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, well, i love her name she came with it and i was like i'm definitely gonna keep it because it's really sweet and it absolutely fits her she's kind of a princess but so she i picked her up last july and she's a four-year-old mare and she's probably about sixteen three hands i haven't actually put a stick on her right now but From like comparing her to other horses. I think she's sixteen three. She's super sweet and very loving. So that I wasn't looking for a horse when I actually met her. I was gonna wait a few more months before I started searching for my makeover project. And she kind of fell in my lap because a friend of mine sent me a picture and was like, Hey, do you want a project? Like I'm going to get this other horse and they have this second thoroughbred mare. Like, would you want her? And the picture was Absolutely horrendous. <laughs> like she looks like she was like super butt high and she was tied to the trailer. She has wide eyes. Like I still have the picture. It looks terrible. And I really wasn't interested. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> like I I want a horse hopefully to event eventually, and that's probably not gonna be the one. And I pulled up because I went with her just to have fun, because in Texas during the summertime, there's like nothing you can do outside in the middle of the day. So I went with her just to go look and just to have something to do. And I pulled up into the driveway and I looked in the pasture and I was like, who is that? Like, which horse is that? Because she was so stunning. And I like, like, it it did not look anything like her pictures. So she put her head in my chest when I was like hanging out with her and petting her. And she had great feet and her body was totally different than what the picture looked like. And so I took her home
1: two days later. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Uh, You got like reverse catfished by a horse. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) I mean, we have an episode on this with another HRN host, Kayla Bentley, who came on and she's like, the picture matters. Get good, high quality photos because it matters. Mm -hmm. And this is a great story of that.
4: (laughs) No, it totally is. So anyway, I wish I would have brought her home that night, but I think my husband would have killed me. (laughs) without asking so yeah so that's how i met her and got her and then like fast forward a couple weeks later because i turned her out in the pasture because i think her her last race had been like two or three weeks before so she hadn't had a ton of letdown time and it was in the middle of the summer and i was busy with other clients and so i was like you know what, i'm just gonna turn her in the pasture i'll do basic grooming and groundwork stuff with her just to make sure she's a solid citizen for the barn staff but then I'll just kind of let her be a horse because she was three and a half. And she came up lame like two or three weeks after I turned her out. And so I thought I had pulled her shoes. So I figured, okay, it probably has an abscess. So I soaked it for like four or five days. And then she just wasn't wasn't like it wasn't blowing the abscess. She wasn't getting any better. I couldn't really pinpoint where it was in her body. And so I had the vet out and the vet took her like maybe two or three minute look at her and was like, I think this horse has EPM. Mm.
0: So that was
4: really devastating. But she, we got the blood test done and we were going to just wait and see what the numbers were. And it came back extremely high, like off the charts. And so that was kind of our start of our journey. And at that point, I didn't even actually know that she was eligible for the makeover. I actually thought that this is why you need to look at the rules because I actually thought that she was ineligible, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep putting the time into her because this one's really special. And so I started treating her. And then like two months later, I found out she was eligible. So that was really exciting. So the vet's really hopeful that she has made a full recovery. So we're just working on rehab now and I'm using the Equiband and doing a lot of strength training and biomechanics training to help her strengthen her top line and her hind end. So Hopefully, she'll be have a long career.
1: <laughs> this is so cool. I'm like so excited to follow this journey because you're not just prepping for the makeover, you're overcoming a pretty significant illness. So,
2: yeah, yeah. And that's pretty, I think we're seeing it more and more, um, especially, you know, we're seeing changes in the weather. We're yeah. seeing a lot more horses being diagnosed with this, unfortunately. So, she's definitely going to be a horse that I think a lot of people will want to follow to have some hope and follow your how you rehabbed and getting her to where she's going to be.
4: Well, that's awesome. I hope she's (laughs) inspirational to some people because it felt really, it was really devastating when I found out I was like, I was so excited for her. And then I knew nothing about it. I mean, I knew of EPM, but like, I didn't know the extent of it and it affects so many horses so differently.
1: So, right
2: yeah it's such so a mixed good. bag
1: but it seems like more and more horses are coming back from it and still having yeah. you know good successful careers good so career. thank
2: goodness yeah, for, for science sure. and good vets let's say yes, that. yes. <laughs> Amen to that. uh Katrita, i know we're coming close to time i'd love to know like what is the next step like what do you have coming up for you and larissa that we can you know follow or look forward to in the next few weeks
4: so I'm actually taking her to her first show. We have a super awesome, like a dressage society here in Central Texas. Oh, and awesome. they put on some really awesome little mini schooling shows. And so I'm going to be taking her to her first show on May 14th. And we're doing the non-musical freestyle. So <laughs> not not just, fine. I really <laughs> don't have to do anything, but it's going to be her first like, off-property experience with me and being able to, to work on stuff in a show environment. So I'm really excited about that. And then hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll probably get on her. (laughs) So
2: That's super exciting. And we wish you the best of luck. If people want to follow you, where's the best place they can do that?
4: Probably Facebook. I also have Instagram and TikTok, but I don't use those as much. So WHP Equestrian or Whole Horse Performance should lead people to my pages.
1: And I'll post... We usually post updates on Facebook more frequently. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be sure to follow along and so can everybody else. Yeah,
2: I just (laughs) liked it now. I'm like, I'm here for it. (laughs) I'm going to follow this. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank you. It was really nice to talk to you guys. What if adding just one product to your feed regimen could help your horse recover faster after a show, get relief from inflammation, reduce his nerves, and ease his digestion? If any of those benefits sound appealing to you, then check out American Harvest Premium Hemp Extracts and Equine Hemp Pellets. American Harvest Natural Equine Hemp Pellets are vet-formulated and produced from natural hemp. The palatable pellet formula is manufactured with potent raw CBD using no chemical processing. So your horse will love the taste as much as you'll love the benefits. Look for the full line of American Harvest products at your local equine shop, any Hubbard dealer, or online at store.altech.com. And right now, American Harvest is offering an exclusive giveaway for you, our loyal Horse Radio Network listeners. One lucky winner will receive a free 90-day supply of American Harvest equine products. Check out today's show notes for details on how to enter. Well, Kristen, it is that time where we talk about new vocations. And normally, we would have Leander Cooper on with us, but sadly, she is not able to join us for this episode. So I thought it would be fun to have our producer, George, who... I think is safe to say is not a horse person, pick our adoptable horse of the week from the New Vocations website. And George, I'm going to invite you on really quick. Can you tell us what horse you picked for us?
3: Uh, first off, Joy,
1: thank you so much for having me. Second <laughs> off, I, I appreciate this very, very intelligent counter you've done. <laughs> because I, when I picked this horse, I was like, wow, this horse is really beautiful. And I kind of really like the look of this horse. But man, I cannot pronounce that name. So I was kind of hoping... <laughs> First. <laughs> but hey you know what i'll take i'll take a good uh crack at it i think it's supposed to be green grass and high times maybe a reference to the song by the outlaws i don't know but uh it, it's a big mash of that <laughs> yes it looks like green grass to hit times yeah it looks like somebody's <laughs> tried to like put it on a vanity plate kind of a it deal was, it was yes, yeah it's very creative yeah. um but I like it. It was a fun team building exercise to figure that one out. So
2: exactly. So <laughs> green grass in high times is yep. our adoptable horse of the week. A 15-2, all black standard brush just a tiny little bit of white on her back leg there. But They call her a real-life black beauty. Her name is Ty in the barn, and she is described as a sweet gem who loves a chill and easy life and loves to pose for the camera. So for all of you Instagrammers and TikTokers who love your horses and your photos, Ty is probably a great horse for you. She is a low-level horse. They recommend her for 4-H and walk trot or a ring horse or occasional trail partner. But Kristen... You coming from the Western side, I'm on the English side. I thought it'd be fun if we could pick kind of a career based on how she is, based like what you would recommend her for Western, and I'll give my recommendations for English.
1: Absolutely. So I love this mare's like, relaxed top line. This, to me, she just screams like a ranch-type horse. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, ranch horse is what I do, so I look at just about everything and think it can be ranch. But, you know, she's super mellow through her top line. Her, she looks like she just carries her pole to level up her withers. So you're not going to be fighting, you know, the, some of those standard Brits like to carry themselves pretty much up and down. And it doesn't look like she's that kind of lady. Like, she looks pretty mellow. Like, she's just going to hang out, meander down the trail, meander across the pasture, walk and trot her way around the ring. So, to me, it, it helps that, of course, they have her stood up here in these photos in a western head stall. But she looks super cute. I could totally picture her in the 4-H ring. Or, you know, the ranch pen with a kid on her, just doing her thing. I like her. I might go get her. (laughs) Probably won't, but I might.
2: I like her as well. And even though she's a little bit older, in my opinion, I think she is perfect for kids. I'm watching the videos, and there's like halfway through her video here, there's a adult on her who's swinging her body all around doing tricks and everything. And she is just taking it stride by stride to me. She's a perfect horse to kind of get kids started in the English world. She's got a nice, even like top line. She looks nice and soft. I think she'd be great to start in like low level hunters, no jumping. I wouldn't recommend jumping for, but I do think she'd be great in the flat and just taking kids around the show ring. And she's got such a striking black color that I think she'd really stand out, especially in some cute braids. So highly recommend her for some easy flat work and maybe just being a lovely kid's horse. Like she could go either way,
1: which is the best thing about her. She's got a really nice eye too. I'm looking closer at these pictures mm-hmm. and she's just really soft and has a nice inquisitive look to her. So yeah, she's yeah. sweet. And I mean, you can't go wrong with a black beauty. Like you're going to stand out in the show and you're going to stand out on the trail. This is a nice little mare. This yes. is going to be a cool horse for somebody.
2: Absolutely. She's had 163 starts, total earnings of 250000 just a little bit over. And you can get her for the very absorbent cost of $1,000. Actually, under $1, under dollars yeah. yeah, so practically free. She looks like a great addition to anyone's program for kids. Make sure to check her out at horseadoption.com. And you can check out all the other horses as well that New Vocations has. There's something for everyone there at horseadoption.com dot com. George, thank you for playing. We appreciate you. And thanks for picking this gem. We hope she gets the perfect home. No problem. Thanks for having me. Looking for a saddle that's affordable, durable, and comfortable for you and your horse? It sounds like you're looking for a Wintech. Wintech saddles combine world-leading innovations and high-tech materials and lightweight, weatherproof, and easy care saddles. The comprehensive Wintech range offers not only cutting edge designs, but also reaches new standards in fit, comfort, and performance benefits for both you and your horse. It's easy to see why Wintech is the world's number one synthetic saddle brand. One of the newest saddles is the Wintech Light All Purpose Deluxe. Your horse will enjoy the super soft panels, which mold in and around his muscles, hugging his unique conformation. The Wintech Light is half the weight and double the fun. With styles for any discipline and conformation, there's a Wintech saddle for you. Visit WinTechSaddles.com today to view
1: WinTech's full range of saddles and reach a new level of comfort for you and your horse. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at RetiredRacehorseRadio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at horseradio. I can be found on Instagram at The Horseback Rider, and you can follow all of my Racehorse Ranch adventures on Facebook at Jobber Bill Racehorse to Ranch Horse. My email is kbentley at the RRP.org.
2: I can be found on Instagram at the foodie equestrian, where you'll see Astra and I attempt surviving riding on a daily basis. <laughs> and my email is joy at com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, American Harvest, and Wintech Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And add more leg. Always. Always add more leg. Bye, guys.